Rock the Ripple. Rock the Ripple. The Rock the Ripple Podcast with Narita McInnes. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rock the Ripple podcast. I'm your host, Narita McInnes. It is so awesome to be here with you as always. And before we dive into what I know is going to be an epic conversation, I just wanted to let you know that the doors to the Frequency Shift Mastermind are now open and the early bird ticket is available as well. We kick off on the 9th of January. So if you've wanted to work together, now is the time. I'll put all the links in the description so you can check it all out uh, and we can make some magic happen happen and work together come the 9th of January. Uh, But with that said, it is now time to jump into today's special guest. He is a metals investor, a public speaker, an author of two books, the founder of beattheresetcomau He is the one and only Tim Manger, aka the guy in the hat. Tim, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you very much. Yes, the guy in the hat. I've become a bit of a character now. So uh, what a great introduction. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on, by the way. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Tim. I'm, um, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I guess a really good place to start for anyone who might not know you or know anything about you is perhaps give us a bit of a rundown of who you are and what you're doing right now so we can start there and then just chin wag our way through. <laughs> who I am. Well, basically, I'm a guy in a hat. And uh, I've become a bit of a character around the place. And, uh, you know, as I said, people pretty much know me by my hat. I, when I go into Melbourne, which is my hometown, and I go down to the, uh, the bullion companies, pretty much um, anybody on those street corners, I'm a bit of a celebrity down there. If I ever want to look popular to the kids, I just go down to, the, uh, down to that corner and the, the, you can guarantee at least 50 people know who I am. And my kids are always like, oh, God, Dad, you're famous. But if I go on any other street corner, no, no, no one. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, you're right. I mean, uh, effectively, uh, I'm a metals investor. Um, I like to think of myself more as an educator. I think mm. is probably the better way to say it. Precious metals are the means to an end, but it's really like many things in this world. Uh, it's the education uh, that gets you to the point where you're going to do that. Um, I obviously have some other career highlights and so on. I've spent my life on the stage. Um, my primary, uh, I guess my primary uh, profession is my music. Um, I'm a pianist. Um, some people know me as a pianist, believe it or not. Uh, I, got, I, I got well enough, you know, I, I played well enough for people to actually remember me or maybe I played bad enough for people to remember me. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's my primary profession, but uh, really the stage, microphones, audiences and, um, you know, bringing information to people, educating the population. And really, uh, it escalated for me uh, in 2020, obviously, you know, we all know what happened in early 2020, um, and the whole world shut down for a while. But what was interesting for me, whilst um, me and a whole lot of other people lost everything, uh, we went down uh, with a ship, of course. Um, But what was interesting is when the lights all turned back on, I had this channel, um, and this was all by accident. And uh, it turned out that it woke up a whole lot of people. Uh, I don't know if you experienced that, but uh, a lot of people obviously weren't awake, but a lot of people became awake suddenly. Um, Mm. And what it meant was people started asking questions, everything from health and wealth and governments and all the the nonsense. And uh, fortunately, I happened to be in the wealth area, Uh, something that I didn't think anybody was really that interested in turned out to be something everybody was interested in. Well, not everybody, but the people that were awake enough to know about it. And it's funny. 
um, just going to ramble on that for, for another moment, is that the sort of people uh, that avoided certain uh, health, uh, you know, mandates uh, are the sort of people that invest in the sorts of stuff that I talk about. So uh, it looks like I have a little community that's like-minded. So that brings me to 2023. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's the kind of roughy. That's the rough. Uh, I'm obviously 35. COVID was pretty hard on me, of course. <laughs> Uh, makes me look closer to 55, strangely enough. Um, and I've got four kids. Um, they uh, they think I'm as crazy as a wheel, but they love me to death. So that's all that matters. So that's a bit of my backstory. No, that's awesome. And yeah, you, you said as well, like your Instagram channel is um, where you sort of talk a lot about and educate people around uh, money, wealth, uh, the true meaning of money, all that sort of stuff. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. So the channel, I'll, I'll actually go back to the beginning because what a great place to start, right? Who would have thought at the beginning? Very uh, the, the Instagram channel came about by accident. I've got a very, very good friend called Layla Melky in, in Melbourne. She's very well known in, in kind of the freedom movement. Very, very, very confident, uh, educated lady. And uh, one morning she was doing a podcast and I was eating my rice bubbles and the kids were sitting around the island bench right behind me, actually. And... Um, Anyway, lo and behold, I saw a conversation on a live on Instagram going on between Layla and an American guy talking about cryptocurrencies. And the conversation moved. Now, cryptos is one of my areas of specialty as well, but it wasn't that that caught my attention. It was the fact that during their particular live, now this is pre-beat the reset day. Whilst they were on their live, they um, started to cross into precious metals and commodities. Well, of course, all the lights went on. You know, it's like when somebody's talking about your favourite topics. Like, ah! You know, the angels all started singing. And, of course, I'm jumping on the, uh, the um, yeah, I've got my glove on again. Yeah. <laughs> this is a habit from precious metals. Um, I, I jumped on the, um, uh, the, the messaging and I started adding my comments into the messaging. And very quickly, Layla and... Um, uh, this gentleman started to realise that there's, there's some really interesting comments coming in uh, that they hadn't seen before. And it actually got to the point where I got an invite to come on to. So here I was uh, in my boxes, my T-shirt. Um, well, I don't have a lot of hair, but what was left of it was sticking up. Um, I'm eating my rice bubbles, drinking coffee, and uh, all of a sudden I got this invite to be on this live. So I quickly did my hair, which consists of basically putting a hat on generally, uh, and sat on the camera, jumped on, and all of a sudden I'm on this live chatting to these two guys that I've just been listening to only five minutes earlier, and they started just firing questions at me everywhere. Um, but it was the questions from the audience that started to really uh, – it was the questions from their audience to me. Um, people said, can we get him on, can we get him on, can we get him on for an interview? So this poor crypto guy from America gave up, and he just vanished. I don't know what happened. He just disappeared. He was gone. And then it was just me and Layla. Um, and then Layla said to me, have you got a channel? And I said, well, no, I don't. And she said, could you make one very quickly? Because we've got a lot of people who want to know a little bit more. So that's where the whole beat of reset started. It, it, it was the audience that asked me to come to this. Mm. I didn't come to this. Mm. Um, I had the knowledge, but I didn't really think anybody really wanted to know this stuff. Because as you know, sometimes you can get into such niche areas that people don't, you, you, don't, you, you often don't even know if anybody will even really understand what you're talking about. I don't know if you've had that experience before. but So that's where Beat the Reset kind of grew up. And then we started on Instagram. And it, it really was, for me, um, I pretty much starved, as most social media influencers do for the first year. Uh, I starved to death. The cat died. You know, no, no, 
um, you know, the kids are starving, car ran out of petrol, all of that. And, you know, because I'd lost my job and career. I actually was in business and I lost my business over COVID, of course. So, um, so things were pretty tight. So I rang the channel for a long, long time with almost no followers. Um, and I was, the channel was sponsored by coffee. So we had this promo where you could buy me a coffee. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that buy me a coffee thing. Yeah, yeah, I've got so, one too. Yeah. $5 a coffee, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And people thought they were buying me coffee. People actually think they're buying you a coffee. They, they have to say, you know, do you have sugar in it? Do you have milk? It's like, yes. no, 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 just just put the money in. the. So so we survived on that until all of a sudden, I um, I don't know what happened, but one day about 12 months in, I uh, did a video on the failing US dollar. It was the simplest of videos, and you know this happens in social media. You know, some of my wonderful stuff that I thought was good didn't get a single look in. And the stuff that I just threw up there was went crazy. And no one, we don't understand. No one knows why this happens. And you in social media would know that. So what happened was I put up this video on the, the failing US dollar and the fact that the petrodollar was, the end of the petrodollar was imminent. And, um, well, of course, it got picked up. That video got picked up by a social media influencer in the US who shared it everywhere. Wow. And my channel literally went from about 1,500 followers to 25,000 followers within about two weeks. Mm. Um, so it just exploded the channel before Instagram uh, got in and started messing around under the hood. So, uh, and we've had no end of drama since because they don't like you really talking about this sort of stuff mm. uh, on social media, as you've probably found out. Mm -hmm. So I, I've got this beautiful thing going on with Instagram where they love my channel, but they don't like what I say, <laughs> uh, which basically equals a shadow ban in the end. Uh, which is what uh, Instagram claim they don't do. But uh, anyway, I don't want to talk too much about that. So so the channel survives now. I mean, it's, it, I've had so many, um, so much interest from around the world now um, that it's become an international business very quickly. So um, so I've been up and running since April 22. Um, and now, of course, I just spend my time creating content, researching, listening to what people are asking, um, helped enormous sums of people over this journey. Uh, move out of the monetary system. You know, that that that's the big one, just helping mums and dads for me. I mean, after COVID, I put all my entrepreneurial days behind me and said, okay, now it's about people. Uh, what COVID taught me, it's about people now. It's not yeah. about money. It's not about wealth. I mean, yes, it is, but not my wealth. Mm. Uh, it's about everyone's wealth. Yeah. So, How do yeah. we best serve? How do we best serve humanity from this point? How do we best serve humanity? Mm. That's all it is for me. And, and most people know, and you've been to one of my talks before, and the one thing I'm very big on, usually in, somewhere in my talks, my live talks, I'll say to the audience, you know, what are you here for? Are you here for you? No, you're here for your children and your grandchildren. Mm. Um, you're here to give them everything. So the choices you make today will affect your children, will affect your grandchildren, or affect somebody else's children or grandchildren. And I need I need people around me to be educated, not because um, I have some vested interest in, in in educating everybody, but because if they're educated, they will educate their children, and their children are going to grow up in a world that my children are going to grow up. And when my children go down this journey in 50, 20, 30 years, and they say we need to find like-minded people, well, hopefully some of the stuff that I've done 30 years earlier will have you know, worked its way out there into the community and maybe there's some more educated people that my kids will come across and they then can form communities as well. So that's really, I look far, I know there are people on my channel that say, you know, but shouldn't we also 
have wealth for ourselves today. Yes, but but my point is, it's the choices you make. It's funny, so many people think that the choices they make are just for them, but when you have friends and family and children and grandchildren and so on, you realise that the choices you're making are not for you anymore. They're actually for future generations because Mm. if you get it right, I mean, even if you became the wealthiest person in the world, you only have a limited time to even enjoy that wealth. Then it has to be passed on to someone else. The same is true if you have no wealth. If you make a lot of poor choices um, and you just end up with nothing, well, that's how your children will start. They mm. will start at zero. And I guess what I'm trying to do here is educate people that if we get this right, we can have some wealth for ourselves, yes, but, but more importantly, it's the bigger picture here. It's, it's, mm. it's the communities of tomorrow. That's really what I'm uh, all about. Mm, absolutely. And I think so many people will resonate with that because so many people, as you term it in the freedom movement, we're all about uh, wanting to... Um, make make this place a better place and uh you know allow it to be all that it can be and so when we make better choices in all areas of our life whether it's health wealth um you know anything uh that affects the whole and that affects generations and it it creates ripple effects uh that's why the (laughs) podcast is rock the ripple you want to rock it in the best way possible you know so um yeah really resonate with that the choices that we make so what are some of the choices that you would uh, invite people to consider when it comes to, um, yeah, their wealth and, and thinking beyond? Yeah, that's a great question. There are two things that drive people's wealth. Um, in fact, there is two things I've found, and this is my own research. So I'm not a scientist. I don't have a PhD, just a guy in a hat. Uh, that's done a lot of research. I should there have is... got a hat as well. That would have been fun. I know. I've got a spare one. Oh, look, here's one. I can, oh, can I, I'll oh, pass this through. through yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if it just suddenly appeared on your head? Oh, that would um, be amazing. <laughs> so, um, so there are two things that really drive human behaviour that I've I've really boiled down to. Now, again, not researched. This is my own personal research, my own personal point of view. One of them is fear. And the other one is knowledge. These are the two things that seem to be the main drivers of what people do in their lives. The interesting thing about what I just said is that fear comes out of lack of knowledge. So so knowledge first. If you have knowledge and information, and what I mean by that is good information about anything, Mm. then you will not be fearful. Uh, The other thing that, of course, removes fear is, as I said earlier, if you start living for others, you won't be fearful. Um, I'll give you an example, and I've used this example in my live talks. If a child is if if, if a child is stuck under a car, and I tried to pick up that car to lift the car up, I couldn't do it. But if you got a mother, a, a mother whose child stuck under the car can actually physically lift the car up. Mm. How is that even possible? So it, there's no fear factor for the mother because she's she's just it's just a primal instinct. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is um, what we do is we educate education, you, you don't need to live in fear uh, if you're living for others. So what I'm saying is um, that in that example of the mother and the child, she's living for her child. She knows that she has to get that child out from underneath. We have That's my a big part of what I do. So knowledge and fear. Okay, so going back to your question, um, the thing that most people fail at, let's go there. So in the monetary system, let's just get back to the basics. The one thing people fail at is believing what they were told is, uh, is true. Mm. That's where people fail. They don't fail because they're dumb. Um, 
By the way, the word dumb was created by uh, effectively the Carnegie Institution, 1911, when the Carnegies took over the, um, the education of the planet. Um, if you didn't pass their ridiculous exams to um, in, and their doctrines, then you were considered to be stupid. A little bit like witches, burning witches at the stake, you know. They were the smart people. They were just getting rid of the smart ones. Yeah. Um, so, so this whole idea that I'm dumb or I'm stupid, I don't know, it's not a thing. It's not a human thing. Um, this is part of the indoctrination. Mm. And the reason I say that is because the reason we fail as middle class is because we go to these ridiculous institutions called education systems. You know, we go through the schooling system. Um, you learn nothing uh, about anything useful. Um, and it's ridiculous. It takes 13 years. And, and by the way, at the end of 13 years, you've got to go to university. It's no good. Even after 13 years, you can't do anything with it. Then you've got to go and beg a university to take you. Um, and it's, you know, on some sort of ridiculous ATAR score. And then, of course, you've got to get a loan, which will take you the first 10 years of your working life to pay it out. So now you're into your 30s. You're 30 years of age before you're even going to turn the first sod of soil, right? And, and this is where we fail. We fail because we go through these ridiculous institutions. There's not, I mean, if, how many times, how many times were you educated on money at school? No one tells you about money at school. Mm -mm. Who's ever spoken about money at school? I mean, we, I remember getting out of school. I, I was about 17 and uh, I, had to, I had to go get some, put some money into a, the bank. I had no idea how to put some money, just a, a piece of, a, you know, $10 note into the bank. I had no idea. I, I was useless. After 13 years of school, I, all I knew was that Captain Cook discovered Australia in 1788, and later on I found out that wasn't even true. So uh, my point is um, we go through these indoctrination processes that are 13 years, essentially your primary school, secondary school education. I'm going to use that. It's not an education at all. It's an indoctrination. And, and it prepares you for something called uni singular versity, um, which, of course, is designed to give you a qualification to say that this guy has been successfully indoctrinated well done. Um, and all those that haven't are useless to us. Now, the problem is those that get their indoctrination certificate, um, I know it's a terrible way to say it. It's interesting because the word doctrine sort of is an offshoot of the word doctrine and indoctrination. So, we, you know, we've got a lot of doctors out there, right? Um, so my point is this is where the education system fails us because there's no education on finances. There's no education on what fiat currencies are, what money is, because, of course, the elite system's don't want you to know what the monetary system is. What they want you to do is they want you to go to school. They want you to they want you to learn about you know currency, what it is. They they don't even tell you about currency. They actually, don't tell you anything. To be honest. Mm. And by the time that uh, you leave that place, you have no knowledge of how to run a business. All you're told is to get a job. Well, go and get a job. Great. So get down on your hands and knees. Beg some ungrateful person um, for the privilege of getting a pay packet every. Give up most of your day, then most of your week, for almost nothing at the end of it, for which a tax department will take some of it. And, of course, then you're told that if you're really, really good, then you might uh, you might actually meet somebody. You might attract a partner. Great. So now you've attracted a partner. And if, if, if that all goes well, then you can get married. Great. Now you're going to get married. And if that all goes well, then you can have kids. Awesome. These are things you never learn about school. We never learn about marriage. We never learn about kids. We never learn about finances. We didn't learn about real estate. School system teaches you nothing about anything. And we come out, we come out greener than when we started. So, so now we're into our 20s. Let's pretend we don't go to university. We've got a pretty low-paying job because the mentality is you've got to start from the ground. 
you know, this mentality, you start on the ground and you work your way up. I don't know where that even comes from. I mean, why can't we just start at the top? I mean, I don't know. But anyway, so you, you've got this mentality that it's all linear and you've got to start down here. And, and by the time you, you know, see into your 30s, you've finally got a half-decent paying job, which is paying off your student debts and every other debt you've had. You've got a wife, you've got some kids, and then the craziness starts. You go and do something stupid like buy real estate. Now, again, I am a total non-fan of overpriced assets. Um, and, and this is what the middle class does. Um, are we going in the right direction, by the way? I've gone off on my Oh, yeah, mind. go for it. Yeah, you got no, I'm just going to break loose here. Yeah, go, now, go for it. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to break loose because one of my great passions is, is investment. And one of the worst investments for the middle class is real estate. And the reason is, uh, is well, first of all, um, let's just go to get to some basics here. Of the 195 countries on planet Earth, Australia is at number two in the world for the most overpriced real estate on the globe behind China. And in Australia, of all the cities, Melbourne has now overtaken Sydney. So we are number two in the world for the most overpriced real estate. Then what happens, as I said, going back to that, that story where you've gone and you've got a job, you've met a partner, you've had some kids, then you've got to save a 10% deposit. The reason you've got to save 10% deposit is because you're going to a bunch of crooks called the commercial bank who run fractional lending. They run a 10% fractional lending program. In other words, they have no money. They cannot produce anything until you give them 10% of the asset price. Once you give them 10% of the asset price, they legally can give you the rest. It's a crime syndicate. So if you want to buy a property for a million dollars, you're this young person, you're on $75,000 a year, your wife's on 70000 a year, you don't see each other because you've got to do a lot of overtime, you know, so it's time away from each other, it's time away from the kids, it's rising fuel prices, rising food prices, you know, reserve banks out of control with raising interest rates. So you go to your commercial bank, you get down on your hands and knees, please, Mr. Commercial Bank, I'd like to buy this million dollar property. You give them $100,000 down because, of course, that means, you know, once you do that, it triggers something called the fractional lending system. They then can then get on their computer and create the rest of the loan. So you want a million, you give them a, you give them 10%, that's 100. Boom, 900, enter, done. The total, the total effort input by a commercial bank to bring that currency into life is the speed it takes them to type it into a field and hit enter. Soon as they do that, you've got the million, and now you're beholden to the commercial bank for about 25 years, fixed rate for a while, variable rate at times, um, and with interest. Now, over time, what's going to happen to you is you've got to hope that you can sustain this. So this is a crime syndicate. The whole real estate industry, for me, is just totally criminal. Uh, and the point is, is because you are buying an overinflated asset class with absolutely no funds in the bank, and now you're beholden to a commercial bank for 25 years. This, in the end, costs 70% of the middle class will never, seven in 10, get line up all your friends, seven in 10 will never pay out their mortgage. And of the three that are left that do, half of them will be over the age of 65 by the time they do it. They're, they're long past retiring. This is a ridiculous asset class for all sorts of reasons. So if you knew, if I said to you that aeroplane over there, uh, before you get on it, it's crashed seven out of 10 times. 
you would never get on that aeroplane. Mm. But most people do it anyway. Now, the point is, the reason is this, that that scenario is the same scenario. Getting on that plane could cost you your life. Buying real estate could cost you your life. And this is why, because it costs you your wealth, your health, your family, your friends, your job. In the end, most of the middle class, 70% of people, and by the way, what, else, what other statistic, and as a marriage celebrant, I know the statistic, 70% of marriages fail. Well, it's interesting that 70% of people fail at real estate and 70% of marriages fail. It's almost like a direct correlation. Now, mm. look, you know, don't write to the guy in the hat telling him that you made these figures up. What I'm saying is it's an interesting comparison that marriage failure is the same as mortgage failure. And the reason all of this happens is for the number one thing you were never, ever told, and that is that the currency you are using is, is a fake piece of paper that used to be a derivative, is no longer a derivative. In other words, nothing backs it anymore. It used to be backed by gold, then it was backed by oil, and now it's backed by nothing. And now you're running around with pieces of paper which are produced by an organisation called a central bank which has a licence to print money. You know, we've heard of that term, I have a licence to print money. Well, the central banks actually have a licence, but they don't print money. What they print is something called currency. And the problem for most people is they were never told what money was. So they spend their entire life buying these absurd assets using something called currency, which is fake pieces of paper, promissory at best. Promissory because once upon a time, you could take those pieces of paper into a commercial bank and exchange them for a commodity like gold or silver. Now you can't do that. You can't even do that. So, so, so now what you have is a piece of paper which, by the way, is losing value every single second of every single day. And all that happens is in order to pay off that ridiculous asset that you went and purchased 20 years ago, now you need a lot more paper. You need a lot more of it. But how are you going to do that? Is your company going to pay you more? Maybe. Are you going to have to do more overtime? Well, that's more time away from the wife. That's more time away from the kids. That's more health issues, longer hours, stress anxiety, depression. I know I don't paint a great picture here, but for 70% of the middle class, this is exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, don't think that it's a fairy tale for the 30% that actually managed to pay off their real estate. It isn't. Most people, in order to pay off their real estate, will go without holidays for many years. They won't go on holidays. They won't eat at restaurants. They won't buy nice clothes. They won't drive fancy cars. They won't do anything. All they'll do is exist for a while with the whole sole intent of paying out the asset. And here's the problem with all of that, that by the time you finally pay it off, by the time you finally get this fixed asset, it's a fixed asset. It has, you, unless you are going to rent it out, it won't produce any income for you. All it is, is essentially, well, of course, we've seen what's happening with land rates and everything like that, and tax and so on. It's just going to be a bigger liability. Um, and you can't sell a bedroom if you're in financial trouble. You can't sell the bathroom. You can't sell the toilet. You have to sell the whole property if you run into trouble. Um, and, the, and when you sell that property, you've got to hope that you sell it for more than what you paid for it. And right now, I know as a precious metals investor, I'm talking all about real estate, but this is the reason why people move to commodities. So this is the education. Um, so if you sell a property, especially now, we're in the biggest housing market, housing bubble we've ever seen in human history, this thing will explode. You will hear the bang from, from Jupiter, I'm telling you, and beyond. This will echo into faraway galaxies when this bomb goes off, when this real estate 
market implodes. And when it implodes, what happens is, is people end up called upside down. In other words, it's just called upside down. It's where you end up with a mortgage that is worth more than the asset. You're, you've got a loan now where the asset has fallen onto a bear market rate. Everybody's selling their real estate, trying to get out of it, trying to get out of it because they have to service their mortgage. The bank still wants the money, of course, currency. And this is where it goes. And so I guess the reason I tell you, tell you all of that is once you are aware that you are using currency to buy ridiculous assets, you start to become aware that um, there is a better way to do this, a much smarter way to do this. You can be happy. Whatever happened to being happy? Whatever happened to just enjoying life? You know, I, I don't know where people forgot to do that. And so that's really where I, the whole commodities journey starts, precious metals and uh, digital assets and so on. This, that's where the journey starts. At the moment at which you realise that fake paper and, and buying stuff with fake paper from a central bank is going to lead you to the total sum of a brick wall in 70% of cases. So um, I don't know. Is that all making some sense? It sure is. It is, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure people are, might be thinking, okay, so that that all makes sense to me. What do I do from here? Uh, this is, you know, like where, what's my next step? How do I um, shift and, and do things differently so that I'm having assets that are actually working for me and not against me? Yeah, well, the first thing, first thing that middle class um, has to learn is what other assets are available. Um, the place I start with most people is there's two types of assets. There's in-system assets and there's out-of-system assets. And anybody that's been through COVID is like me, definitely looks more at out-of-system stuff. In the system, not good. Out-of-system, good. That's the way to think of it. Um, so let me give you an, uh, an example of in-system assets because most of the middle class will stay in-system because that's what they were told to do. Their parents did it. The education system told her to do it. Their friends do it. Peer group pressure is a very, very strong thing, right? Your friends are all buying houses. I'll buy houses. Your friends buy cars. I'll buy cars. But no one knows why they do it. Your friends don't know why they do it. Most people who, who invest, um, well, I won't call it an investment, but most people who are in in-system assets honestly have no idea why they do it. Um, so I'm going to tell you what some of the in-system assets are. And then I'm going to tell you about the outer system one. So the in-system, not for me, not so great. Um, so anything on the stock market. So stocks, shares, equities, bonds, treasuries, annuities, real estate. They're the big ones. So that's all your in-system stuff. That's pretty much everything the middle class does. You know, people go, I've got a stock portfolio. I've got shares. It's like you can't make this stuff up. The derivatives market is right now five quadrillion dollars in size what what are you talking about mr guy in the hat there isn't even five quadrillion anything's on the planet um but apparently it's five quadrillion dollars globally uh based on the us dollar five quadrillion dollars what that's just the derivatives market tell me that thing's not going to go off like a firecracker anyway so they're in system assets now the problem is is when i start talking about out of system assets most people in the middle class glaze over. They look at me and they go, well, hang on a minute. My mum and dad never told me about this. My school, my friends, how come my financial advisor didn't, didn't tell me about this, Mr. Guy in the Hat? Uh, he only told me about real estate. He told me about my share portfolio because that's what financial guys do. When, you, when you're a financial advisor, 
you go through an indoctrination process and you get a finance degree or an economics degree and of course you repeat the same mantra which is in system but what people don't understand is before we had the system before we had that system we had another system called commodities for six plus thousand years and beyond we have been trading commodities we never traded in system before this was a, an invention of modern times our original trading mechanisms were commodities. What am I talking about? Commodities is anything that comes out of the ground. Primary industry. So if you can think of anything that's primary industry, that is classified as a commodity. In other words, something that comes out of the ground before it's turned into something. I'll give you an example. A coffee bean is a commodity. It comes out of the ground, well, from a tree, essentially from the earth. And of course, it doesn't become, you know, coffee bean by itself is 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 a primary industry item it, it, it hasn't been turned into anything yet so anything that comes out of the ground so coffee wheat sugar cattle um water you know you copper zinc cadmium you name it they all come out of the ground iron ore this is these are all commodities but the commodities that i deal with are the commodities that our ancestors dealt with and used forever and we lost them somewhere around about the mid-19th century, and I talk about them in my books. I don't want to give my books too much of a plug here, but in this particular book, I just happened to have it. Look at that. How quickly did that pass? Great asset. <laughs> Great asset. Oh, by the way, I did have another book called Things We Were Never Told About Money, just covering up on that other uh, topic. But the point is we, we traded commodities for centuries, for thousands of years. All of the empires traded commodities, the Roman Empire, the Greeks, um, you know, the, the, the ancient Babylonians, you know, the, the Spanish Empire, which, which reigned for 300 years, was a silver empire. And the commodity that we traded is going to come as a great shock. We didn't trade gold. We traded silver. Silver is our primary trading commodity. Gold is a very, very recent addition to that in terms of gold is fabulous long-term, like a, a wonderful long-term reserve asset, but it doesn't move quite as, uh, what's the word, it's, it's not as erratic as silver. Silver is very erratic in terms, uh, because uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, there's a, I'm losing my words here, but, um, but it's very, very um, volatile, that's the word. Mm. So gold's not as volatile. Gold, gold's like the sleeping child, but again, gold is a reserve asset. It's a very expensive, uh, rare uh, commodity, but, um, but silver is really the money of the people. Uh, now, when you tell someone in the middle class to look at commodities, like precious metals, gold and silver, why gold and silver is the question. It's because of all the commodities, they are the only two monetary commodities. Nothing else. Everything else is used for something else. Uh, you know, coffee. I mean, could you trade coffee? Yes, you can trade coffee. You could trade anything. I mean, you could have a bunch of roses and trade it for a sponge cake. That's fine. But that doesn't make it a trading mechanism. Uh, that just that's just a barter trade between two people. Um, so commodities are what we have traded forever and a day, right up until if you have a look at the American Civil War, 1861. Uh, suddenly, silver started to rapidly disappear in the United States, and suddenly, but fortunately, they had pieces of paper which they gave to the people. I've actually got some here, but I uh, could have had it handy to show you. Um, they were called greenbacks, and people were told that if they brought their commodities back to the bank, and we'll look after it for you, um, the government in return would give you pieces of paper that represented what they were holding in the vault. Now, this happened over time, and eventually, 
people just ended up with the paper and forgot all about the fact that commodity was still sitting back in the vault. But, oh, no, the commodities seem to have vanished somewhere along the line. We don't know where they actually went. Um, and the poor common man was now in the system because he was now using paper produced by the system. So the whole point of moving the common man uh, in the mid-19th century from commodities, out of his commodities into paper, was to gain control over the middle class. Once they had control, they being central banks, treasuries and so on, once, once they had the control over the common man, they could lead the common man to doing whatever they wanted to. They could tax him, they could devalue the dollar, they could, you know, they could hyperinflate it, they could create stock market crashes. Um, this has been going on. We've had six stock we've had six Great Depressions since 1819. Um, and it's all done because people continually use these pieces of paper. Before that, we were trading on a one-to-one -one mechanism. So there was no hyperinflation. Precious metals don't have any inflation because it's one-to-one. -one. You know, you, you get silver out of the ground. There's, a, there's only that piece of silver is that piece of silver. You can't produce it. You know, you can't create more of it. It's just that if you get a coffee bean, there is one coffee bean. Yeah. That's it. But what these guys did is they said, here, listen, give us the coffee bean and we'll give you a little piece of paper. So, so you know, here's, here's your piece of paper. Um, actually, that's a detention notice from one of my sons. But anyway, okay. <laughs> I'll turn it around this way. Um, so they said, give me the coffee bean. We'll give you the piece of paper. Anytime you want the coffee bean back, come and give us the uh, piece of paper. That's what these pieces of paper are, by the way. Um, but when you went back to the bank, oh, no, we don't actually have the coffee bean. But guess what? It doesn't matter anyway. Just keep using the paper because it's as good as the coffee bean. Well, that's what happened. Now, of course, we've got stuck with this paper. We lost our commodities. Um, and, of course, you've seen what's happened to the monetary system. All of a sudden, we've got $300 trillion debt. We've got $194 trillion of unfunded liabilities in the US. We've got a $5 trillion derivative market. The whole thing is such a joke. And we're about to move to electronic currencies. So, in other words, this paper stuff that we've had is now going, now that's going to disappear. And now we're going to go to ones and zeros on some commercial bank server. So, the, my strategy is not really a guy in the hat strategy. My strategy is all I'm doing is going back several generations before we forgot about the monetary system. All I'm doing is taking people backwards. I'm rewinding like the old days of cassettes. I'm just rewinding the cassette. I'm going back to prior to 18, the 1860s and so on. I'm saying to people, well, really, it was the 1930s where we really, the, the United States put the whole kibosh on uh, commodities. But, but I'm going back and I'm saying to people, do you understand that you can actually buy those commodities back over time. I mean, it's going to take time for us to, to build our stacks and to buy it back, but we can get it. So the very stuff they took from us and they told us they had in the vaults for a rainy day, we can actually buy that back again using paper, but provided the paper, that, that that's the current dollars that everybody believes is money, the paper, you can only buy the commodities back if the price allows, if you're able to do it. The, the problem with the commodities is they go up and down in value. If they go up too high in value, you won't be able to buy them at all. You just will be stuck in the paper. You'll be stuck with the paper and then soon electronic. So what I tell people to do is to store your wealth in commodities. Don't store your wealth in pieces of paper. You can't store your wealth in paper. The reason the treasuries and the central banks remove the paper, uh, remove the commodities from the common man is because when you traded commodities, there was no inflation. When you traded commodities, there was no tax. When you traded commodities, it, it held its value over time. 
in the entire 300 years of the Spanish Empire, the Spanish silver dollar was the dollar that traded for 300 years, virtually never changed its value from the time it was incepted. So over 300 years, guys, we go like, we go a week and we watch our currency devalue because, because you can't manipulate the commodities. So, so all we do is take people back into the monetary system. So the question is, why is fiat currency not money? It's because it has no other purpose than a medium of exchange. That is it. The definition of money is a store of value over time. I'm just going to say that for your listeners one more time because this is the most important thing everyone needs to understand. The, the definition of money is a store of value over time. Fiat currencies fail over time. There have been 4,800 fiat currencies in 6,000 years, and every single one of them failed and went to zero. All of them, 100% of fiat currencies. So if there was an aeroplane, again, back to the same old analogy, on the tarmac, and it was called fiat currency, and I said to you, you do realise that there have been 4,800 of those and every one of them crashed. Um, would you get on it? No, you wouldn't. But if I showed you another aeroplane on the tarmac that was a gold and silver, made out of gold and silver, and these things have stood the test of time for 6,000 years, stored wealth beautifully uh, for forever in a day. Um, you know, you would go and get on that if you knew about it. But the reason the middle class doesn't do this is because, first of all, people think that gold and silver is somehow, especially gold, people think gold's really expensive, so they stay away from it. A lot of people think gold is the money of the elites, and, and, and that is the definition of gold in, in the investment era. It's the money of the elite system. Silver is the money of the people, but it's a lot cheaper. Um, silver is eight, 185th the price of gold. So you can get 85 times as much silver for your money uh, per ounce against gold. For example, in, in Australia right now, gold's about $3,000 an ounce. Silver's about $35 an ounce. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, you can get this stuff. That, but you've got to know to do it. Um, if you try to go through this reset, staying in paper currencies, What's going to happen to you is your commercial bank is going to let you know that very, very soon um, we're not using paper anymore. Uh, in fact, they won't even give you the paper. Um, some people can't even put paper into the bank anymore. The bank's not even accepting that. Mm -hmm. So, And the ATMs are all closing. Commercial banks are closing. The reason is because we're going to ones and zeros on a commercial bank server. So once you are into that system, you have no wealth. Fiat currency, your, your wealth is gone. So wealth is something... So people talk about two words, rich and wealth. Get rich. How do we, can we get rich from precious metals? No. Can you get wealthy from precious metals? Yes. That's a different question. Rich assumes that you make a lot of fiat currency very quickly. Wealth is something that happens over time. If you have wealth, it's a holistic experience. It's a journey. Wealth is a long-term journey. Getting rich is a quick, quick fix thing, right? So, and it's a very consumer word, getting rich. So you don't get it. If anybody's trying to get into precious metals to get rich, forget it. What you are going to become is incredibly wealthy over time. That I can promise you, that has never changed in 6,000 years and it will never change. Um, and the other thing you need to know is that the very central banks that print the paper are the very central banks. If you go and have a look inside a central bank vault, do you see pieces of paper? No, you don't. You see commodities generally gold bars. So central bank gold bars are about 12 kilo, 999 investor grade, pure pure gold. So that's what the central banks put in their vaults because they too know that what they're printing is fake. But you don't, they don't need you to know that. So, so this is the problem for the middle classes is the reason they don't do anything 
uh, is because they don't know about it. And mm. the only thing middle class ever knows what to do is that the only thing they know how to do is to go get real estate. That's it. My, my dad said get real estate. Mum said get real estate. Go buy real estate. Get married. Have kids and get real estate. Again, there are so many better ways to do this. So that's, I don't know, is that, is that sort of answering a few questions for you? Is, uh, is it sort of painting a bit of a picture? Absolutely, absolutely. And people might be thinking, okay, great. I'm on the um, bullion train now, I'm on the gold and silver train. How do I do it? Um, they might be thinking, um, where do I start? Like, what would you suggest to them? Okay, so the first place I would start is, um, well, you can jump on Beat the Reset and listen to me rant every week about it. Um, that's one place to start. But if you're really keen to get moving, there are bullion dealers in every um, in every capital city. A bullion dealer. So we refer to precious metals as bullion, B-U-L-L-I-O-N. All the word bullion means is measured by weight and purity. That's all it really means. So what we're doing is taking a commodity like gold and we're measuring its weight and its purity, and that will give you something called bullion. Um, so bullion is provided by, uh, well, I mean, you're from um, South Australia. You've got a couple of very good, uh, my brand partners in South Australia, for example. Um, there are lots and lots of, of really big um, brand, uh, bullion dealers in the country, ABC Bullion, Ainsley Bullion, uh, as good as gold, of course, is my brand partner, Adams in Melbourne Bullion now. There are lots of bullion dealers. You would, that's the first place I recommend you would go. You wouldn't go out on eBay. The reason is, is because there's a lot of people sell fake gold out there and you can get ripped. And I know many people who have just been totally hoodwinked and they bought basically, you know, something that's worth five bucks, they spent 10,000 on. So don't go on eBay. Do not go on the secondary market. Make sure you go to a bullion dealer. The reason is, is because they can only sell you investor grade items. Everything they have is measured and tested. Every single thing. I've never, ever heard of a product coming out of a bullion company that is not investor grade. Um, so I'll just go back a second. So the question is, what is investor grade? Investor grade are three nines fine. What it means is 99.90% of the product is pure silver or pure gold. So 99.90. To give you some examples, sterling silver is 92.5. So that's not investor grade. That's a lot lower silver content. So 92.5, to become an investor grade product, it needs to be measured at 99.9. Uh, um, so that's really the point. So anything at 99.90 and above is investor grade. In the industry, as I said, you can go to a bullion dealer, you can uh, you can buy precious metals from a bullion dealer, but the first thing that's going to happen when you get there is they're going to ask you a bunch of questions and you're going to have no idea what you're talking about. They're going to ask you, what would you like to buy? And you're going to look at them and go, I have no idea. So there are really, really only two things that you would ever buy as an investor in the early stages. One would be bars, those big I should have had some here, but some some big gold bars or big silver bars. If you're buying gold bars that are that big, well, we, then you've obviously got a couple of uh, bit of currency to spend. But but most people, I would recommend start down at the silver end, unless you've got a, a big chunk of currency you want to get rid of. Um, so you go into your bullion dealer, you're going to ask for either bars or you're going to ask for coins. They're really the only two things that you're going to going to look at. In the bars, we have cast and minted. Cast is just poured into a mould. Minted is pretty, if you like. Same with coins. Now, I know this is all like people going, oh, okay, it's a lot of information, but that's really where it begins. You also have to decide when you go into the dealer, do you want gold or do you want silver? The other thing you're going to find too, just to throw the cat amongst the pigeons, is platinum. Platinum is another metal that people occasionally invest in. I'm not a platinum investor for the simple purpose that as you probably, if you remember what I said earlier, I only deal in monetary metals. 
the only two monetary metals, the only two things on planet Earth that we know that come out of the ground that actually identify as money is gold and silver. And the reason for that, just to ramble on for one more moment, just to give people a little bit of an education, is that if you have a look at the periodic table, which is largely invented and designed in the early 19th century, there are 118 elements on that table, on the periodic table, which is a scientific table. And of the 118 elements, only two of them um, fit the definition of money. It needs to be homogenous, it needs to be portable, it needs to be durable, it needs to be recognisable. The only two elements that fulfil that are gold and silver, the only two. And, and that, that's the only two that ever have. And the question is, so where does platinum come into this? How come people buy platinum as an investment? Well, you can buy anything as an investment. You can go and buy copper as an investment if you want. You can go buy cows as an investment if you want, or you can go buy coffee beans. Um, so people find all sorts of fancy things to invest in. The reason I don't invest in platinum is because it's an industrial metal only. It's not a monetary metal. It's very rare, but it's only used in a very, very niche part of industry, which is in catalytic converters and motor vehicles. So, you know, rhodium, platinum, palladium are really only used in that tiny, tiny niche area, whereas silver, of course, is used all over the world in every area of industry, um, wanted and sought after by every everybody. So platinum for me is more industrial. It's not monetary. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas as gold and silver are monetary. So, yeah, so you go into your dealer, you're going to have bars, you're going to have coins, you're going to have minted, you're going to have cast. Minted uh, is, of course, the stuff that has pretty pictures. Cast is just stuff that's poured into moulds. I should have had some here. I don't know why I didn't mm. have it all here. You got so, the glove for it. You got the glove to... <laughs> I've, got, I've got some here. I mean, I can hold some up. I mean, I can yeah. grab some if you want, but um, but uh, I can think I've got, I could probably get them in a couple of minutes. But... Um, so, yeah, I've got the glove ready for action, but I've got no medals. <laughs> so so that's really it. I mean, it's, so there's a lot of people that will help you in the commodity space. People, bullion dealers, are all, all they're there to do is sell you gold and silver. Um, they're used to people coming in that have no idea. That They're used to it. Every day they get people come up to the counter going, first day, tell me what to do. Now, what a bullion dealer will say to you, first of all, is how much have you got? Uh, you might say, look, I've got $1,000. And they'll say, okay, well, forget about gold. Let's look at silver. Um, now, the thing about investing... Just so everybody understands, I said earlier that gold was $3,000 an ounce. That's per ounce. So in the industry, one ounce is the standard size. That is the industry standard, but it's not a cooking ounce. A cooking ounce is 28.3 grams. In the metals industry, we have our own ounce called the troy ounce. It's a totally different type of ounce, and that's 31.1 grams. It's actually a lot bigger than a cooking ounce. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason is, is um, uh, it's to do with divisibility. Uh, the way it, the, the, when as you go bigger into like a kilo, you have 31.1 ounces. Um, in an ounce, you have 31.1 grams. The reason they did this is 31.1 just divides beautifully into into decimal. It's 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 it's, it's irrelevant, but I just thought I would say. But but the point is that the a troy ounce is bigger than a cooking ounce. So everything in the industry, when you walk into a dealer, they're going to be talking ounces to you. So don't expect them to be talking dollars and cents. They don't talk like that. So this is not fiat currency. You know, when you go into a commercial bank, how many $5 notes do you want? How many tens? Uh, No, 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 no. When you go to the bullion industry, they talk ounces. That's what they talk. So you've got to get used to before you even go in there. Again, we never traded as a people. We didn't trade in dollars and cents. We traded in ounces, measurements, weights. During the spice trade, everything was measured out in in, uh, grams. You know, these, this is how we've traded. This whole idea of decimation and decimal 
you know, dollars and cents and stuff. That's a new thing. We never traded really like that so much. It was more to do with trading on weight and sizes. So when you go into bullion, you're going to have to change your mindset to get used to the talk and the conversation around ounces um, and things like that. The other word that I want to introduce people to is something called fractional metals. Now, fractional is less than one ounce. So there are three things you have in the bullion industry, strangely enough. You've got one ounce, you've got everything over at one ounce, and then you've got everything under one ounce. If it's under one ounce, so in other words, half ounce, quarter ounce, tenth ounce, twentieth of, of an ounce, and so on, that's called fractional, a fraction of one ounce. The reason I mention that is when you are investing as a young investor or as an early investor, what, what I'm saying is you probably want to look at fractional because that's the cheapest way to buy. They, they, you can get right down to I mean, the cheapest silver coin on the market at the moment is a one-tenth ounce. Actually, it was one even cheaper than that. But if you start at one-tenth, it's $6 for a silver coin. Mm -hmm. And we're talking investor-grade silver coin is $6. And most people would have $6 lying around somewhere. You'd have that gone down the back of the seat of your car. And 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 the, and you can start right there. If you have children, you get them into um, you get them into this stuff too. So if you have children, uh, you could get them take them down with their loose change, buy a couple of silver coins. Six dollars is the smallest one. Same with gold. You can go right down to the gram. Because I actually have a one gram Chinese coin. Cost me about one hundred and ten dollars. Um, but that if that if that's if you, if you try to get into gold and you don't have three thousand dollars an ounce to spend, then um, come along and uh, grab some of the smaller stuff. So fractional is a great way to get into metals. The big bars, though, as you go up into the bigger bars, they are for long-term wealth storage. So, so if you're buying big bars, a kilo, three and a half kilo, five kilo, and so on, these are long, long-term wealth storage items. Which brings me to the next question that everybody's going to ask me, and that is where the hell do you put it? So you're telling us, you know, because what's happening to the middle class is convenience. What I'm trying to say is what I'm telling people to do is not appealing to people because it's inconvenient. People say to me all the time, what do you mean we've got to go into the city and buy this stuff? What do you mean I've got to put it, I put it in a suitcase and drag it all home? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. Well, if you're not going to do that, what it means is your lives are going to stay in the fiat system. At some stage, it will go electronic. I haven't even got to the digital, which is everything we spoke about in Adelaide. I haven't even gone there. I probably won't go there just yet. But my point is, if you stay in the fiat, if you're not prepared to put in any effort, the problem with the consumer system is it's easy. It's been made simple. So, so people, people do what's easy, right? So, so they go, oh, you know, but I can just transfer on my app money between, and I, I don't ever, look, I don't call it money. When people start talking about stuff that happens in commercial banks, that's currency. And so it's one of my bugbears. When people talk about that being money, I go crazy. Um, but people show me their phone, but, but Mr. Guy in the Hat, you know, I um, I don't know why all my friends sound gay, by the way. But anyway, um, but <laughs> Mr. Guy in the Hat, I'm transferring. I can do it easily, and you're telling me I've got to go into town and I've got to get the silver bar, and and then and then what do I do with it? Well, what you do with it is is a few things. First of all, you bring it home and you you put it somewhere nice and safe. Um, I don't use a safe, by the way. I think safes are a terrible idea. Personally, I think safes are a bad idea. The reason I think safes are a bad idea is because if you are a standard um, if you have a kind of a just a standard home uh, out in the burbs and a, and a burglar breaks in um, and sees a safe, <laughs> can you imagine? Be like, great, back up the ute, chuck the safe in the ute, we're out of here. There goes everything you ever own. That is stupid. And I also have people that, that actually say to me, well, can we hide the safe? Well, what's the point of buying a safe if you're going to hide the safe? 
and then you might as well just put it in a shoebox. Um, so um, my point is you have to get very creative about how you store your products. Now, I don't know what happened to the middle class. I think, I think somewhere around about the age of five years of age, when, when a child is five, right up until they, just before they start school, they have creativity. They have colour. They draw rainbows. They draw beautiful things. When they go to school, by the time they're 10, most of that's gone. By the time we leave school, we haven't got a single living brain cell left in our head. And so what happens is I tell people to go and get creative and people look at me like I'm mad. What do you mean get creative, Mr. Go in the Hat? Where are we meant to put this stuff? Well, I can tell you if I gave that task to a five-year-old and said, all right, little five-year-old, your job is to find 10 places in this house that I could hide this silver bar. I guarantee they will come up with things you would never dream of and every one of them is possible. So, you know, every, you know, some houses you go into are full of, I know, I actually know investors who have tons of precious metals and you could spend a day or a week and you will never find them, never, because they got creative. And, and yet there's thousands of them, They'll, you know, they're, they're going, come on, come on, you've got another 24 hours to find at least one of them. It's like, they're around here somewhere, but I have no idea where they are. So it's easy to hide this stuff. It's easy to, because you become your own central bank. But the problem for the middle class is they're not used to being their own central bank. They don't want to do that. They want someone else to look after. But my but Commonwealth Bank looks after everything for me. Yep, and we know how that works out. My government looks after everything for me. My my doctor looks after everything for me. It's like, you know, my stylist looks after, It's like, guys, you have the only way you can survive a reset, by the way, is to become autonomous, is to take your wealth back in-house. If you leave it out there for the commercial banks to have a feeding frenzy on it, you're going to end up you're going to end up happening what happened in 1929 to 1932, when nine million consumer accounts were wiped out. The uh, Wall Street crashed uh, to just 10% of its value, and by early 1933, on March 6, all the banks were closed, never to reopen, and the US dollar crashed. And um, generations were destroyed for the next 40 or 50 years. So that's what happens when you stay in fiat currency. But if you move to commodities and you invest it outside the system in the monetary system, the very monetary system that the central banks hold, they hold it in their vaults. You too should do the same. If you just want to know, if you want to know how to survive a reset, watch the elites. If the elites aren't going doing stupid stuff with medical experiments, then you don't do stuff with, with medical experiments. I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want you to get banned. Is this sort of answering some questions for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know when we, we spoke um, uh, the other week to, to set this up, like we talked about so many different things. So I love that um, there's, I mean, on this channel, we can talk about pretty much anything. <laughs> so whatever's on your heart, love that you're sharing that. Um, and I think people will get a lot out of this if they haven't considered um, looking at, um, at at bullion or, or um, considered a different way. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have as well. Um, what else do you want to talk about today, Tim? What is on your heart right now? Right now? Mm. Okay, so I'm going to talk very quickly about uh, how much time we got, by the way. I don't know. Um, I can't remember what time we started, so um, we've got a little bit more time. Well, yeah. I'm just, I'll tell you what, because, I mean, obviously th this research is so deep. Any one of these topics we could talk about for hours. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about is something that's going on in the world with the BRICS nations, and I want to leave everybody kind of with with, with the, where this is going now because, I mean, you, you came on to my talk and it got very dystopian. I'm not going to talk all about that stuff today because that, that was a very deep dive into the digital space. Uh, look, by the way, my, the, the digital space is huge, and, and again, mm. that's a whole other 
That's Excuse a big me, I mean, yeah. That's another podcast in itself. Yeah. But I want to talk to people about something that's going on in the Middle East. Now, uh, and I'll, I'll, have I got 10 minutes? Yeah, you've got 10, absolutely. Yeah. I'll go for 10 because this is important, what I'm about to tell you. Right now, the, um, the Middle East is uh, looking like two countries versing each other. I love how this happens. All being played out for your convenience in the mainstream media. The sad truth is that about six or seven weeks ago, the guy in the hat was, um, because I follow what I call the world monetary currents of the world, I'm watching the US dollar, I'm watching the Chinese yuan, I'm watching oil, I'm watching gold, I'm watching silver. I've researched thousands of years of history, a um, couple of hundred years of history appearing in my new great asset ship. Huge historical kind of context here. And when I looked at it all, I realized what was about to happen. And I want to explain very quickly to people to get the message out that um, what looks like um, a war between Israel and Palestine is no such thing. Uh, and I spoke about this seven weeks ago, and now I have people writing to me in droves from all over the world saying, I cannot believe how you hit this thing on my head so hard before it even happened. Before it even happened, and this is what is happening right now, just so people can prepare and commoditize. And this is why I want people to get to their precious metals as quick as possible. The problem for the world is that the United States dollar is still, for some strange reason, the world reserve currency. It has been like that since 1944. Now, that was a long time ago. Um, and in the year that the US dollar officially started its uh, world reserve currency status, in that very year was 1945. And a lot of strange stuff happened in 1945 as the US dollar became the world trading currency for the next, uh, well, unilaterally right up until 1971, but effectively still to this day, 60% uh, of countries around the world still hold American dollars in reserve. And I have no idea why, because the US dollar, and here's part of the problem, only has two cents of buying power. Now, you'll never hear that, but it only has two cents of buying power. Since its original inception in 1913 by the Federal Reserve, US dollar was pegged to gold at $20.67. You can do the math. Gold has gone to 2000 or close to $2,000 US an ounce. The US dollar has gone to two cents. That's it. It's done. It's finished. It's cooked. However, in the year 1945, when the US dollar became the world reserve currency officially, there were two, actually three weapons of mass destruction, two of which actually landed on a city, a sleepy city called Japan. And I don't even want to go into that and why that happened. Um, the other thing, of course, was the formulation of the United Nations in 1945. Um, so my point is, this was the last time we saw a world reserve currency shift from the British pound over to the US dollar. Now, the problem is the US dollar, ever since it became a world power, used its power to bully nations through something called sanctioning. They love to bully the world. You know, their military budget's massive. And, you know, but they went off the gold standard in 1971, and then in 1974, they went on to the oil standard. Now, this is where the problem is with this war. You're wondering what this Middle Eastern war is all about? Surprise, surprise, it's got something to do with oil. Nothing to do with gold, nothing to do with silver, and everything to do with oil. And the reason is because once the US dollar, once the United States left the gold standard in 1971, nobody really had, there was no real... You know, there was no requirement for countries to use the US dollar anymore. They, they left what they call the Bretton Woods system. The system had been shut down. There was no requirement to use the US dollar. However, countries still decided to use it. I guess where I'm going with this is in 1974, the US went on to the oil standard. But in as of now, here it is, as of the 1st of the 1st, 2024. So that's two months away. This is where the fireworks begin for us. So you want to see some serious fireworks. You want to have a serious prediction here. And I spoke about this a long time ago, and it looks like I nailed it. Here's the problem. 
you have a failing US dollar. It has no asset backing at all. It's not backed by oil anymore. That job, the oil backing, is going to China. The Saudis, who control the oil roads in the Middle East, largely very powerful uh, oil nation, are preferencing the Chinese yuan, which is their currency, over the US dollar for the first time since 1974. What this means is you're going to see the rise to power of China because every time oil is sold around the world, it's sold in Chinese yuan, which of course strengthens the Chinese economy and weakens the US economy. Well, the US was never going to go quietly into this good night. And here's the problem for the United States. They do not want to use, they do not want to lose their well-preserved currency status. But the problem is China has got together with a bunch of other nations. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are the core, what we call BRICS nations. And they have risen to power. Um, and they've denounced the US dollar. The US is not happy about this. But the problem came in, in August of this year, in August of 2023. In August of 2023, there were seven new countries that joined the BRICS alliance. That was Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, United Arab Emirates, um, Iran and Saudi Arabia. Now, these seven nations all joined the core. So now you've got 11 core superpower nations, all big commodity nations, and most of which are oil. The United States has been locked out. They were locked out of this. Now, sudden, all of a sudden, the Chinese have taken the oil rates. They've taken control of the oil rates. The US was never going to go quietly here. And I said it a while back. I said, when this happens, you're going to see war in the Middle East like you have never seen. Well, here's how it plays so everybody on the channel knows how this goes and why you need to get to your commodities and get out of this fiat system. And Because that'll be the punchline I'll finish on in a minute. I'm going to say this very fast because it, just follow this very carefully. Hamas, Hamas are funded by um, the Israelis. There's no question about that. Hamas are a militant terrorist group, whatever that is. Um, don't know where they were through COVID. They were all sleeping. But uh, all the terrorist groups disappeared during COVID. Don't know what happened. No buildings fell down. Nothing happened. It was just perfect. Everything was happy except there was a worldwide pandemic and we're all in lockdowns. Um, don't know what the terrorists were doing. Probably filing their nails. Waiting for, there's the glove again. Filing their nails, waiting for COVID to get over so they could go and do some terrorist stuff, you know, because that's what terrorists do, terrorist stuff. Anyway, so we had, we've got Israel, who is, of course, a massive ally of the United States um, and huge financial interests in the United States. All of a sudden, they get attacked, attacked by this Hamas. Israel got attacked. And we don't know what happened. We didn't do anything. Problem is, Hamas is fully funded by the Israelis. Strange, surprise, imagine my shock, imagine my Palestine, the Gaza Strip, all the um, food, the water, the electricity is all supplied by Israel. If Israel really wanted to shut down the Gaza Strip rather than one of them bomb them, they could just shut down the water supply and that would be the end of it. So, but no, no, that doesn't sell newspapers. So what you've got, and of course it doesn't fulfill the agenda. Here's the agenda. Here's the problem. They created a false flag event. Hamas, Hamas, largely Palestinian, Arabs, attacked the Israelis, okay, unprovoked, so we have to defend ourselves. But here's the thing. Who's going to come to the aid of the Palestinians? Who out there is going to put up their hand and come to the aid of the Palestinians? A country called Iran. This was always going to happen. It's like if your little brother gets picked on in the playground, you're going to go and help him. Well, Iran was always going to come to the aid of the, of the Palestinians. That is who the Americans were after. The reason is, is this whole skirmish, this nonsense, garbage skirmish, where a lot of families and people are devastated. By the way, I do not want to make light of the damage on the ground. Mm. It's horrific. My ancestors are from that region. In fact, I'm not Semitic. I'm from Europe. But 
My point is I have Jewish ancestry from Europe. But um, the devastation to the people on the ground, I can't even begin. My heart breaks for those people. Mm. They are pawns in an awful game. The reason is, is because the United States is going after Iran. It was never, I said it before it even happened, as it, as even before it happened, the US has to go after Iran. The question is, why, Mr. Guyman? And the answer to that question is, because if it can't, so the United States can't attack China because they have a, uh, they are bound by the restrictions they have on the United Nations um, treaties. But the United States can't attack China, it can't attack Russia, it can't attack the UK, and it can't attack France. These guys are all signatories to the same convention at the United Nations. They all have full veto power. So the United States can't attack China. But what they can do is they can cut off China's bloodline. Where's China's bloodline coming from? Little country called Iran. Just turns out that Iran is the second highest producer of oil on the globe and also is a nuclear nation. This is fantastic. So now what can happen here is the United States can create a skirmish between Israel and Hamas. They know that Iran will come and defend their Arab brothers. Then, of course, the United States can say, hey, we're under attack from a nuclear nation. They're terrorists. They're supporting terrorists with oil. Then what the United States can do is float uh, warships into the Gulf, the Persian Gulf, for the purpose of blowing up the oil fields. Um, and, of course, decimating the oil fields in Iran. Of course, what that does, it cuts off the oil to China, because as of the 1st and 1st, 24, China is, of course, officially uh, a, um, an oil nation as of the 1st and 1st, 24, under the BRICS agreement. So, uh, so the United States, can't, it's using the only mechanism it ever had. It was to cut off the bloodline to China to hurt China economically, because the US has spat the dummy. They've lost their, they've lost their petrodollar status. They can't, they, they're never going to get it back. Oh, not for a long, long time, and uh, they, their dollar is failing, and the only thing they can do is go to war. They're targeting Iran. That was always who they could target. They can't go after China. That would be stupid, of course, because China would decimate the United States, but they can't do it anyway because they have too many agreements in place to say they can't. And the other thing, of course, is China is a major investor in the United States, which is even stupider for the United States. So the only person left in the game they could go after was Iran. This whole war is about Iran, by the way. It's about oil. And the, the reason I'm telling everybody that is because what you're going to see that comes next is hyperinflation. The price of oil is going to escalate from $90 a barrel to $150 a barrel. Your fuel will double at the Bowser. What it means, together with your Reserve Bank of Australia, raising interest rates, currently we're at 4.35% cash rate. We're chasing 6%. At 6%, the middle class is finished and done. The middle class is going to be a wipeout very shortly. If people stay invested in these asset classes, it's just going to be a wipeout. That's the end of it. The only way you can secure yourself across this reset is to get out of the fiat system. The US dollar is going to crash. It has nowhere else to go. The only other place it can go is to digital, and you don't even want to know where that goes. They are trying desperately now to move across to the digital central bank digital currency through their Fed now and other, other, other programs, International Monetary Fund and so on. But my point is before we get to that, it's going to be huge pain for the people on the ground. If you choose not to commoditize, in other words, you don't have any physical assets, even digital assets, Cryptos, which I haven't even spoken about today, if you have no gold and silver, what it means is you're invested in fiat remunerated assets and fiat products, and you go the same way that the fiat dollar goes. That is to zero. And they're going to move you to electronic. And once you are in the pen, stuck in the electronic system, which is inside the commercial bank, they will implode the commercial bank system and move you across the central bank. By the way, there are no commercial banks in the future of tomorrow. The only commercial, the only role the commercial banks will have, by the way, is not bricks and mortar branches. They will only be online for administration purposes and loans and so on. That's all they will do. They'll be a loaning institutions at best. 
You won't be banking through commercial banking institutions. It'll all be done through a central bank. My point is that is that's going to put shackles and chains on your, your families for the next goodness knows how many generations if you want to go into that system. The only way you can you can insure yourself against that system is to have commodities that rise in value, by the way, so the commodities move massively in value against the collapsing currency. That's the bit that I missed, is that you that's where the wealth shift happens. So as the dollar crashes, the commodities rise, and all that happens is you become immeasurably wealthy. So that's it. I mean, that's really the whole story. So you know what's coming. I've told you what's coming. It's, it's war with Iran for the purpose of cutting off the oil from China, which, of course, is to prevent the collapse of the world reserve currency, which will happen. But by the time it collapses, they'll move into a new value system called a central bank digital currency, and you don't want to be in that system. Mm. It, it, you have no, you don't even, we haven't even gone near that topic today, and I, and I won't, but that's why you can monitor Anyway, there you go. There's my rant. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And how, I guess one last question then. Um, how long do you think this whole process is going to take? People might be wondering. Before the whole system implodes? Yeah. Okay. So we're in the eye of the storm as we speak. I have a feeling you're about to see a very big false flag event on US soil. Uh, false flag because um, they're not, we haven't got a, the US government needs to create by next year is an election year for the United States. Um, interesting that uh, interesting election year because, of course, um, the elections could very, very easily never happen if we're at war. Um, so, of course, they're not really elections anyway, but that's a whole other story. My point is, first of the, <coughs> the first of the first 24 is your date. The first of the first 24 is the date that the United, United States is well aware that China becomes an oil nation. Mm. You need to be very aware of that date. Um, the other date that's critically important is exactly one year later, on the 1st of the 1st, 2025, the most powerful institution on the planet, known as the Bank for International Settlements, has told all of its 140 central banks around the world that they need to be ISO 222 compliant and ready to go with their digital assets programs. Now, what that means is it looks like, to me, there's going to be some major event that's about to happen uh, very, very soon that's going to create a smokescreen that's going to collapse the fiat system and move us from electronic and quickly into digital. It'll bring down the commercial banking system. It will move. It will. It will shift the U.S. dollar into central bank digital currency, which is what the U.S. dollar desperately needs because it sucks in its current form, um, and nobody wants it. And um, so something big is about to happen here. So my feeling is there's going to be a. a okay, I believe there's going to be a massive false flag event on U.S. soil for the purposes of being able to bomb Iran. While that's all going on. They're going to rush through their CBDC. It's been taking them far too long to get their central bank digital currency in. They, they're sick of waiting. Um, the Bank for International Settlements and the International Monetary Fund, together with their partners, have all said, listen, it's taking too long. We need to speed things up. You're going to go into acceleration next year. 2024 is an acceleration year. You'll see the implosion of the real estate market. It can't survive. Real estate can't, can't survive this reset. And that's why I'm begging people to not, if you are leveraged on a mortgage and you're listening to this, get out of it. Just get out of it, sell it, move. And people will go, oh, but where am I meant to live, Mr. Go in the Hat? It's about the capital. Your capital in commodities will make you 10 times that. So for now, yes, you shrink, you go and, you go and suck it up and you pay some rent. Big deal, big deal. But watch, you can always move if, if, if you can't pay the rent. But here's what I find fascinating, just to finish on this point. People will try to, people won't listen to, people will try to, People say, no, 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 either they'll think it's not going to happen or we can ride the storm out. You can't ride the storm out. If you try to ride the storm out with real estate, you're going to end up upside down. And when that day happens, you're going to not only end up upside down, your property's going to be out on a bear market and you're going to be in a digital system. 
that is somewhere you never want to be because the Australian dollar and the US dollar are being debased against the new digital currency. This is all going to happen under states of emergency, by the way. It's going to happen in total confusion. We're going to see outages like you've never seen before. We're going to see all sorts of false flag events. But there's going to be a big one somewhere here. There has to be a major false flag event for the next phase to happen. As I said to you, the very last time a world reserve currency was ushered in, three weapons of mass destruction were dropped. Only two of them are ever talked about, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The third one, no one ever talked about. It's like in the United States in, in 9-11, um, three buildings fell down. I mean, only people talk about two of them, but there was another one that randomly just fell down. Um, you know, this is what happens when there are regime shifts. You see totally, you know, the pandemic was a smokescreen for all sorts of stuff. So, so we are getting ready for a major, major shift in 24. Um, this is, you know, I would be moving into position as soon as I could move into position. I wouldn't even think about timing. I would just accept the fact that there is major shifts between the east. The power is moving from the from the west to the east. We haven't lived in that system. I've never lived in the entire time you and I've been alive. We've lived in the Western system, which is mm. basically a United States superpower. Now we're moving to the BRICS nations. They are they are they are sick of the US, the United States pulling them around. So so we're going to see some serious movement and some serious fireworks. Yeah. So there's my view. Next year, two twenty four is going to be a year of war and states of emergency and smoke screens. That's what we're going to see. That's how that's the only place it can go, and they, they're gearing up for it. So. That's my view. I know it's dystopian. There's a lot of good stuff in that too because yeah. there's a solution. You've got a solution. If you commoditize, largely, largely you're going to protect your wealth. Without it, somebody give me another alternative. Mm, yeah, and, and you're right. There is, there is always um, positive and beautiful in the shitty stuff like that we live in a world of duality, so there has to be polarity. Um, so absolutely. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so cool to listen to everything that you've shared. And I'm sure if people, if you've been listening and you've got questions, definitely leave them in the comments if you're listening, uh, where you can leave comments. If you're listening on a podcast, uh, send a message, whatever you want to do. But Tim, how can people find you? What's the best way to find you? Well, I mean, Instagram is really the, it's strange that I say Instagram. I'm always weird when I say Instagram is my main area, Instagram. You just look up Beat the Reset, look for a guy that's kind of doing this. Um, Beat the Reset. Uh, I'm on every social media platform. Spotify, I do 15-minute podcasts on Spotify, so you can just drive along uh, in your car. That's how I drive. Um, <laughs> you drive along in your car, and um, you can just listen to 15-minute podcasts, and they're, they're really, really good. Uh, I've got YouTube. I've got... Um, but I've also got my website as well, beattheresect.com.au. The other thing I wanted to mention too is for anybody that's interested, I do consults. I, I do regular consults. From 10 to 2 every day, I uh, block out four hours every day and I do consultations. And we talk about basically um, how to move people, just everything I've spoken about on this channel, but in a more practical sense, how to get you out of the, uh, the fiat system and into the commodity system without being totally stupid about it, obviously, because you can't invest in your entire life into gold and silver, otherwise you'll have no cash flow. But my point is, um, I, I do consultations as well, and you can go to my website, beattheresent.com.au, and you can find out and click around until you find out how to do that. But it's all there. So also I do a lot of live events, as you know. So I've got a bunch of live events coming up, and um, I'm also coming back to Adelaide, actually, in uh, 2024. So um, if there's still a world left, I'll be over there. So. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's great, Tim. Thank you so much. And thank you at home for listening and tuning in. Uh, if you love this episode, uh, give it a like, thumbs up, leave a review, all that sort of fun stuff. So appreciate you being here. 
Tim, appreciate you coming on and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom around wealth and everything that's going on. I know there's so many different rabbit holes we could have gone down. So this was a perfect one to uh, kick off with for sure. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Loretta. Very nice.